Hello and welcome to the River and Panhandle's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you are tuning in for this week's message. Before we get started, there are a few things that we would love for you to do. Share it, subscribe, and rate the podcast. So the message is about to begin. We hope that you are encouraged and that you always remember, no role is insignificant. Every life matters and go out and make a difference. You know, one of my favorite saying is, um, even if I have to step on your toes to make you move, I will. And I'll be honest this morning, it's the first time I've ever shared this uh, publicly, of something that's been just marinating on my heart for years, of something that's driven me and motivated me in my own walk with Jesus. And so this, this morning, it might get a little intense, and I'm not sorry for that. I hope you know um, this morning that in everything we share, anything I say, that whatever you take away this morning, you go to the king, your king. And if he's not your king, I hope you get a glimpse of how Jesus feels about you this morning. But you take whatever is said this morning, and you go ask your king what has weight to it and what doesn't. Because no matter who stands up here, no matter what anybody says on the news or social media or anything like that, no matter what opinions or thoughts or advice or wisdom is given out, it has to be checked against Christ himself and what he says in the word So it doesn't matter ultimately what I say, it's what you do with it, and you make sure that it is true for you this morning, okay? So I want you to understand something. This is a a mission table, it's a war table. And you have to understand something that every single one of us have a spiritual table to where Christ our King comes and delivers a mission for each and every one of us daily, monthly, maybe by the hour, It's by need, it's by appointment, it's by circumstance that these missions are put on your table. And I need you to understand something, my tables look like this so many times where there's been so many missions, so many needs dropped at my table and I never met my king there to go over them. I never picked up this mission statement asking by my king as a servant of him to say, hey, this person, this place, at this time, this need needs to be taken care of, and you, my son, my soldier, I need you to take this, and I need you to run with it. You're going to face opposition. It might be awkward. It might be difficult. There might be sacrificial giving needed by you to get this done, but my child, just like you're my child, on this paper, that name needs you to be my extension today for the next 12 months for two years. Whatever it is, they need you. And this has really been something that has convicted me, that I felt guilt over. And I know the Bible talks about that there's no condemnation for those that belong in Jesus Christ. But when I'm chasing my flesh and I understand that I'm leaving this stack of papers over here and I'm not spending time with my king, you better believe that guilt and condemnation starts settling on my shoulders because he's the only one that takes that away. So if you feel guilty by giving the example this morning of what your table might look like, it's looked like mine, then let that settle on your shoulders. Let that weight press on you some. 
Because if you've ever been in a fight or maybe you've been in wrestling growing up or maybe you've done some uh, mixed martial arts or whatever it may be, and if you've ever been winded and had somebody on your head or pressing down on your chest and it's been hard to breathe and to get back up, you have to understand that doesn't even come close to scratching the surface of what it means spiritually to be so beaten down, so pushed away from your king. And when you're trying to find life for yourself, you can't because only he can provide that. So this morning, we're going to talk about our missions in three main areas. And there are only some of the missions. I'm not going to sit here and tell you these are the top missions. This is the golden answer. This is the top secret thing that will get you the successful life, life that you will have. I'll be honest. My whole heart, and once again, you can go test this for yourself. My whole heart believes that God would rather me go through adversity than experience a life of comfort and plenty. Now, will he give us blessings? Most certainly. But my ultimate blessing has come to, that no matter what happens in this life, at the end, I go spend heaven in heaven, eternity with him, in a life full of plenty and much and safety and protection and never-ending days. And I don't even deserve that. So I want you to understand something. We are to be challenged. And if you are a comfortable follower of Christ, if you are a comfortable servant, if you are a comfortable influencer of the people around you at your job place, or maybe a spouse or a parent, meaning you only do things that you're comfortable with, I'm, tell, I'm telling you right now, you don't do much. Because there are so many things that I faced as a follower of Christ that I've run from because I was uncomfortable with it. As a spouse that I haven't done, talked about, uh, maybe uh, recognized because I was uncomfortable. And there are things as a parent that I know for a fact that I've avoided or felt condemnation over or already regret because it wasn't something I was comfortable with. And the Bible talks about our, our battle is not against f- flesh and blood, but it is a spiritual one. And it is used, it's the word battle, talking about warfare, talking about fighting. Yes, I want you to understand how much you are loved this morning. But if I tell you how much you're loved without telling you that you are required to jump in the fight, I'm doing you a disservice. Because if you want the life of adventure that we read about in books and we see in movies and that we see these epic tales told about, then you're going to have to put your feet on the path and you're going to have to get to walking. And that path may go downhill and it might get dark and it may be overgrown and you might have to clear the way. But if you want to get to that spot that God has created you to get to, you've got to do some moving. And so this morning, I want to help us focus on coming to the war table, regardless of what God is asking us to do. Christ our King is sending us on a mission to do that we would come to this table regardless of how comfortable we feel to be able to go out on those missions and serve the people around us, to serve our homes, to serve our kids, and to serve our King. Because this morning, I don't want us to be comfortable. I want us to fight and to push and to be bold enough to say, I'm taking the one opportunity I have in life to live in an epic adventure serving a a king, my Christ, my Jesus, who has promised me that no matter how difficult it is here, that when it ends, the glory, the celebration will all be worth it. I've got a story, speaking of of comfortable, 
One thing that I've loved doing over the years is teaching and coaching people. And I've worked with kids for 11 years and done different things. And one of the things that I've just happened to be in multiple times um, is teaching kids how to drive. One particular kid, though, was older than me, um, and he was from France, okay? And usually when you're younger, you're driving around, it's very rigid, you're tight, you're nervous about bumping into something, making turns, and when you're sharing with somebody how to drive, you usually have to remind them, hey, turn your blinker on, put your foot on the brake, not the gas, simple things that are, as you get older and drive more, become second nature, right? As we become from uncomfortable to comfortable, things begin to change. Well, this kid was, I think, 19 years old from France, um, and I didn't know I was going to be teaching him how to drive um, until we get about two miles down the road, and we're coming up to a four-way stop, and he doesn't stop. And I asked him, I said, what are you doing? Like, he didn't have a car, he's from France, I thought I'd just give him a chance to run around on some wheels, because I'm in high school, he's in college. Like, hey, let's go out to the movies tonight. Uh, my parents did an adopted student program, he was one of those. The other kid was from Venezuela there uh, that night, riding in the car, and Joris, going through the intersection, didn't even touch the brake. Luckily, there was nobody coming. And he just blew through it. And I said, what are you doing? He goes, I've never driven before. And I'm like, what? Like, you have to share that information before you get behind the wheel of an aluminum or steel missile with other people in it. Like, that's the information you have to share with somebody. So I can tell you which one makes it go, how to turn, what, what's the rules. He may not have even been able to read the stop sign because he spoke heavy French. And I just assumed he did, and it all made sense after that. He seemed really comfortable driving because he thought he knew how to. But after going through everything with him, it began to be apparent that, okay, hey, let's do this, let's do that. And as he began to realize he had to do other things, he kind of focused in, and it became to where it was a little uncertain for him. When you talk about things in life that are, you're uncomfortable with, yes, you may stumble through them. But some of the most influential people I follow in life say that if you can push yourself to do things that you dislike every day, maybe it's having tough conversations, maybe it's doing something to, to increase your health so that you're there for your kid's wedding day, or maybe it's something that uh, you've been putting off co uh, confronting with somebody at work to really find out where they stand with Jesus. I know it may be weird now, and you may get into it, and you sound uh, like you're struggling through a conversation. That's usually how something happens in the beginning when you do something you're uncomfortable with. But you got to imagine, if you do this now 150 times, and you've spoken to 150 different people about how much Jesus loves them, it's going to come out like you are just simply saying, I want to give you a hug, and I want to show you compassion and grace because my king gave that to me. So until you start doing those things that you're uncomfortable with, you are going to fumble through them. You're going to be nervous. The next time you go to do it, if it's three years later, it's going to be like starting all over again. So don't allow yourself to be in that position to where you're not practicing what is needed most, to where you're only visiting this one a few times in the next five to ten years because it's going to feel like being brand new again. But that's because I'm telling you right now, if you're not doing things you're uncomfortable with on a daily basis... And I'm talking about even the littlest things. So somebody that I follow, a former Navy SEAL commander, and he says, if you don't get up and make your bed, start out with winning one little battle today. 
The next battle you face, you're probably going to lose it. The next battle you face, you're probably going to put it off as well. The next one after that, you're going to say you can do it tomorrow. And instead of tomorrow, it's going to turn into two years from now because you just keep saying, I'll do it later. These people can't wait for you to do it later. And I, this is weighs on my heart so much, and I know that you can tell that it does because I am sick to my stomach that in my own comfort, I didn't want to sit here and read these mission statements. Look at it. That's people's names on there. Could you imagine if I was the one in this stack of somebody's mission papers and I'd just been left here unfound because somebody said, I just am not comfortable doing that. That's tough because our souls are on the line. Not a promotion, not extra money, not a bigger paycheck, not a starting position at school, not more playing time on the field. Somebody's soul is on the line. And our missions matter. And one of the biggest things that we struggle with, and I'll be honest, especially in our country, is finding purpose. It's always blown my mind that soldiers could come home from struggle and adversity and struggle to find their worth back here. Jump in and find your, your worth. You want to be a part of something? You want to be uh, available to your calling and your identity? You jump in and see how many people you can save on your way home. Could you imagine the amount of necks that are going to be squeezed in heaven when you meet all the people that you had a chance to influence or to bring with you to the kingdom of heaven? It's life-changing. So let's talk about some of the missions, first and foremost, as followers of Christ. Let's talk about the, the most basic one. Surrender. Confession and declaration. So I'm going to take a minute right now. We're talking to two different people potentially in the room. If you've given your heart to Jesus, you've done these things. Surrendered your heart. Confess that you are a sinner and you needed rescuing. And you've declared Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the King of your life. And that is the moment that you've given your life over to be stewarded by him instead of stewarded by yourself. And if you're in this room that you haven't experienced that moment, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, you have to understand something. We have an entire life filled with two biggest choices we can make, to either choose to live our life on our terms or to live them on Jesus's. And if you've never given your heart to Jesus, he's simply saying to surrender your way, which pales in comparison to what he's offering you to recognize that you have been part of the cause as to why he needed to die on the cross. Confess your sins, surrender your heart, and declare him as Jesus or as Lord of your life, Jesus Christ. That's what he's calling you to do. That's your first mission as a follower. And you have to be honest, especially if you're somebody that's self-sufficient and you love doing things, it's hard to give over control. And we're going to see and talk about, it's hard to give over control now in your marriage, with kids, raising them, trusting that, hey, I know that this is going on and I really just want to pound it out of them, right, as a parent, like I'm going to fix this. That's not our responsibility. We are to be the standard. We're to show them. We're going to hold them accountable. But they have their own free will just like God gave us and we got to choose whether we were going to bend our knee to that standard. 
So it's not easy, but our first mission as followers of Christ is to surrender and to give our hearts and to say, King, where would you have me go? What are you going to give me at the mission table? You know, the beautiful thing in the Bible is when it talks about coming to the table, there's so many times where you get a chance to come and eat and dine with him as well. That your king would sit and just chat with you and talk with you. Give you nourishment and strength. To lift your heart up and your spirits. To say, I know the battle's raging on right now. I know everything at your home seems like it's going downhill. But trust me, keep fighting. Because I can tell you one thing right now, and this applies to not only Jesus, but to your life and sports and at work. If you quit, there's now no chance it will happen because you are now no longer pursuing what could be the solution. You are now no longer showing the heroics and the standard that needs to be met or to pursue. You've quit altogether. Keep fighting. So let's look at another mission in Romans, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I think it's going to be on the screen. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will, his missions. I'm going to go back to the part that says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Patterns are so easy to see, that top line here. They're easy to see if you just take a minute Habits and patterns are so easy to watch. And it says here, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Has anybody else noticed how much the faith in the church across America in general has begun to show and exhibit the same patterns I see outside the church? When the numbers match here as they do anywhere else, and I'm talking about just anything, that's a red flag. And if you've seen any pattern through human history, any pattern through human history, it's things are tough, and God, we need you, and there's revival. We get comfortable, and the reason things get tough is because we turn our back on the very one that saved us in the first place, the pattern. And for my own heart, once again, you're going to take this and you're going to go to your king yourself on whatever this hits you as, but for my heart, the comfort that I've allowed in my life that has pushed me down is not, well, the world is just tough. There's times it's brought on by me. And to say that I've put my own spiritual sword down, the word. That I have not put my shield of faith on my arm. The helmet, the belt, the shoes fitted with a gospel of readiness. That's on me. 
And so when I see those patterns start coming up, you have to understand that, you know what? Just recognize it, but make sure you address it. You don't have to be some magic sage or some high, well-known philosopher or pastor to begin discerning these things. When it starts looking like anything other than God, there you go, you've seen it. It's in front of your face. It's now for you to do something with it. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. This is a mission right here. It's just one of them. As I told you at the beginning, we're not gonna talk about just the one magic. This is just one of them. But the patterns and the comfort are what lead right here to so many being stacked up because I'm not here putting myself in uncomfortable situations, laying down what I want to do each day, trying to, to, to get a raise and a little more of uh, my paycheck and uh, to really advance um, doing certain things that, that help me bo- be more well-off and um, going and hanging out at you know, the Friday night football game so my kids can run with their friends and doing what. It doesn't matter. If I come here and God asks me to do something, that stops my plans, changes my plans, moves me from a city. And I say anything but yes, I've just chosen my mission instead of his. That's all it comes down to. The very basic mission of surrendering your will for his. In our marriage... One of the first missions that we agree to is in our vows. And it's sickness and health for richer or for poorer, in good times and in bad times. Life or death, till the end parts us, do you take to be your wedded husband or wife? And when you say, I do, you've just said yes to a lifelong mission. And once again, if you do anything just only out of comfort, you better believe that those things that need your attention, that need to be shared in your marriage, that are beginning to stack up as hurt feelings over and over and over. I was the worst one about sharing my feelings because I'd rather help you with yours than talk about mine. But at the same time, I was at the root of causing some of those problems because in a marriage, sharing what is hurting you from your spouse should be seen as an act of love because you're giving them the key to unlock a deeper level of your heart as trust. It's not criticism. And I was missing this. I didn't want to hurt Feelings. But when you can see it as an act of love saying, listen, right now, this is where we are. But if I can share this and we can grow past this, you will be at a place in my life and in my heart that I've never let anybody else into. That's deep. But it's scary. And it's uncomfortable. Because on the flip side of the coin, if your spouse also is operating out of comfort and maybe doesn't want to venture that place, You could be at a risk of allowing yourself to be hurt, open yourself up. It's about trust. If there wasn't anything uncomfortable about this, we wouldn't need faith. It wouldn't be that exciting, to be honest. 
You ever read a book or watched a movie that was about somebody's boring, comfortable life and it never changed and they never had to do anything that was uncomfortable or heroic or love somebody or bring somebody up out of a pit? No, we don't make movies and write books about that because it's not inspirational. It's not somebody's goal to mirror their life after something like that. Yes, we would like things to be easy, but I'll be honest, if you had a choice and you really looked at it and you said, if I have a choice between comfort and I was told I would be here after an epic adventure, I don't know what's gonna be in between, but I'm guaranteed to make it there, we would all choose that epic adventure because we want to spend our life, our time, talents, and efforts doing something that matters. And I'm telling you right now, the end is heaven celebrating and talking about all the amazing things you've done. It may not be here. You may have the next 70 years, if you jump into this, of just grinding uphill work. And there's a cost to everything. There's also a cost to not doing it, too. There's a cost to being comfortable. Because when you get to the end of a decade, two decades, three decades, and you've been nothing but comfortable and missed out on some of the most important work you were supposed to do, you're faced with that. You gotta watch it. Either walk around, watch somebody else be in that spot you were supposed to be in, see a family that somebody else has influenced more than you have. You've gotta watch it. You've gotta pay the cost regardless. And that's what we often forget is that we don't want to pay one, but we forget that the other one is going to require just as much. It's just a different direction and a different cost, but the cost is there. So in your marriage, your vows are the first one. There was an example in a, uh, I had heard about of a couple going to marriage counseling. And the counselor asked the husband, what's something you did early in your marriage that you don't do anymore? And he said, we used to talk on the phone all night Till one of us fell asleep and the counselor said, do you do that anymore? He's like, no, I still don't like talking on the phone now. Hi, honey, when you be home? Mm-hmm. What do you want for dinner? Whatever. How's work going? Good. I mean, most of y'all know how those guys are. Hey, I'll be there tonight late from work and the guy texts back, K. How many women in here hate the word or the, the response K in text messages? K. Hope you have a good day. K. No, thanks. Love you. You have a good day too. K. And he said and to his counselor, no, we don't do that anymore. I didn't like it then. And so we just haven't continued it. And the counselor asked the wife, what's something you used to do in your, early on in your marriage that you no longer do? So I used to go golfing with him all the time. And he said, do you still do that? And she said, no, it's hot. Not any good at golf. It's always just usually him and his buddies and I just ride in the golf cart. I don't like it. And he said, the problem is you don't love each other. Seems to me the problem is you stopped serving each other. Both of them just stopped doing what they were uncomfortable with. Why did we do that in the beginning? Because neither one of them were married yet. When you're pursuing somebody, courting somebody, trying to win the heart of somebody, you're extravagant in your giving. You're bold in your missions. 
You'll give time and effort that you normally wouldn't give to other people or areas or events. But there's something about us as humans when that marriage happens, it feels like, okay, it's, it's been won, it's over, it's done, we're here, and we've made it. There's no more pursuing, serving, and remembering that I still need to win their heart. Because if I ever get to a position to where somebody else in their life is speaking to their heart more than me, we're in trouble. I mean, so I'll be honest, that's how, that's how that happens. And I'll be the first to admit to say that when we're struggling in our marriage, that when you're going through things and I've caused her hurt and she's out and about or sees another relationship that is flourishing and thriving, there's been times where I'm sure I've made her say, you know what, that would be really nice. Because it's comfortable. There's things that we did early in our marriage that we just stopped serving each other in. And so when it comes down to it, let's look in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 7. And look at what this love looks like in serving our spouses. And the one that we pursue or pursued so much at one point in time and what that love looks like in that mission. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 7 says this, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a symbol, clanging symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Because love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And the only time that love does not do these things is when we as humans begin to try to handle it in our own missions. I'll be honest with you, I wrestle all the time with Jesus talking about turning the other cheek and how he handled the abuse and the struggle he went through before the crucifixion. And then hearing sermons of people saying, you know, God asked you to turn the other cheek. Jesus asked you to, he did that. And at times, I'm like, (laughs) there's exceptions to those rules, right? When my wife says this, I ain't turning nothing. We're fighting, right? And you can feel justified in those moments. It's because I just kicked love out the door. And I'm now fighting for my own selfish motives and desires. And it's when I read those verses and begin to understand the reason that Jesus did not defend, did not push, did not fight, is because he was not doing what he wanted to do at the moment. He begged for God to remove him from that moment, if you remember. So scared and so stressed, he was sweating blood. He didn't want to be there. And if he had fought back, 
he'd have been chasing his own will instead of the Father's. And so when love comes down into our hearts, that's how you can say no matter what rude words are exchanged, no matter what has been done to you, no matter who fires you at work to remove you, to put their friend in a position, no matter who takes away something out of your paycheck or changes um, something that impacts your career or something that happens to your child at school due to politics and sports. and all, It doesn't matter. If you have love, you will say, hey, how can we grow from this? How can we be allied in this? How can we change directions to still pursue what we want and not jump into the patterns of the world that we just talked about a while ago. Because love does none of those things that we would want to do in this moment out of pain and hurt, but it honors. It doesn't keep record of wrongs. It's not envious, jealous. But the only reason we do those things is when we forget love and pursue our own thing. Our missions as parents, and I know there's kids in the rooms, in the room this morning. You have to understand something, whether you're in this season right now as a parent, maybe you're a kid, maybe it's grandparent stage, there's going to be something that relates to you across the board, and I need you to understand something as kids in the room. Listen now, because if you can avoid some of the things that I've been through or that I've done, you only have it that much better of an opportunity to walk out this mission in this part of your life when it comes because you paid attention now. So as parents, to raise our kids in the way of the Lord, Proverbs 22.6 says this, start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. That verse says, start children off in the way they should go. One of the things that I've struggled with at times is when my kids are doing X, Y, and Z that does not reflect what God would have us do or what I would hope for them. As I try to put them in a position to where they have to. Now listen, Holding them accountable, giving them consequences for good and bad actions is necessary. You are to steward those children. It's a big responsibility that God has given us as a mission as parents to say, hey, you are to show them the standard of what it means. In the very first mission we just talked about, we'll go to be a follower of the King of Heaven. You're to show them that standard. Because there's no parent in the room that would say, hey, you know what? I got this life-saving medicine for my kids. Okay, they really need it. They're too young to understand what's going on with their body, what's going on, how this medicine helps. They need 10 doses of it, but after the first two doses, they don't like how it tastes, so I'm going to stop giving it to them. We would not do that. I'm telling you right now, that would be one moment that's headlock. I'm going to do a little fish hook action, and you're taking it. And we're doing 12 doses to make sure. Right? Because as a parent, I love you so much. So don't shield them from the tough things, once again, that make them uncomfortable. When the truth needs to be told, you tell it. But I'm going to be real honest with you. If you're only telling them truth and you're not showing it to them, 
the words will never outweigh the action. It is only the other way around. And so if you're going to be only good at one, make sure you're good at showing them the truth and be short on telling them. Because God never had to tell us how much he loved us. Never. Sending his son to die on the cross made that statement plain and clear. When Jesus said, I'm going to give up my seat in heaven to come die for you, it would have been easier if he just showed up, spent a week, been crucified and went back home, right? He didn't. He was born as an infant and lived an entire life in one of the most poorest regions in the world at that time. He made sure it was plain and clear by his actions how much he loved us, what it looked like to serve. And if you're not putting time as parents in your schedule to do things that make you uncomfortable, how are you going to ever expect your kids to do the right thing when things are hard? How are you going to expect them to stand up to people or to circumstances at school when they don't see you doing it? If they don't see bravery in the house or character or those moments we see in the Bible or even some of our TV shows or movies, you can take examples wherever you want of people saying, no, I don't stand with that. You ever thought about the psychology, the pressure, the peer pressure behind David as a young boy standing in front of those people that were laughing at him? First and foremost, the struggle to feel insecure that your peers, the brothers that he kept going to check on, you know he looked up to them. To see them laugh at you and to say, you know what, never mind, you know, sorry, I misspoke. But he stood in there. Your kids have to see you do that. That when something happens at their school or the school board meeting or the state level or maybe at work or whatever it may be, and they hear you talking at the table, they're in the living room, they overhear a conversation, well, such and such said this to me today, and they're changing this company policy, and if this happens, I could lose my job. And one of you in the conversation says, well, you know what? You should have said this and that. And you're like, no, we shouldn't. We should pray. We should trust God and see what he wants us to do in this situation. And when your spouse says, you're right, I'm sorry, and your kid hears that, you never have to tell them what it means to have discipline and self-control when your anger wells up. They watch you do it at the table or on the couch or in the backyard under the patio when you're talking about your own stresses of life. But if you can marry the example with the words of life and teach your kids and your mission as a parent, and you start them off in the way, the Bible says they will always come back to it. They're going to have their bumps and journeys and struggles. But just know, take that pressure off yourself now, as I try to myself, God's not requiring you to fix them because that takes the free will out of it. He gets, they get their choice to pursue him on their own. And you want them to have their own relationship with Christ anyways, because if they only do it for you, it won't be genuine. So show them. Give them the consequences for the bad and the good. And if you invest your time doing things that are uncomfortable or even that require a lot of sacrifice and time, and you've invested in your kids, invested in your kids, and spent time, and they look up to you as the hero you should be, when you go to give them those consequences for those poor decisions they made, you have to understand they will receive it a lot better than as if you had not been investing in their hearts and their personalities 
in their life and playing games with them and swinging with them, doing little moments of time, investing with them. Because we've all been there, whether you've worked for a boss that expects all from you and gives none back in return, and when they do something that is a statement or they've made a decision and they give that out to you, it's hard to receive it from them. But if you've ever worked for a, a good leader and a kind boss who's always worked next to you, always helped, always invested just as much into you as he's asked or she has asked back, when they give you tough information, you say, you know what, it's no big deal. We'll make it happen. We'll get it done because there's a difference in those two leaders in your life. And so you better make sure and understand that you can be two different parents in your kid's life. And it all comes down to if you're following his mission or you're following your own. So if I can at this time have the the band, the worship group come back up, I'm going to work on closing it up. Whether it's simply as a child of God, a follower of Christ, our King, as a spouse, or as a parent. The information has been thrusted in your court this morning for you to understand that if it is only comfortable and it is an easy path, you're on the wrong one. I'm telling you that this morning. And once again, you can go check and you can do whatever. That's not even in the Bible, but I'm telling you, the patterns of this world and the patterns of what God has asked people to do shows me. When the disciples following Christ, all but one, I believe it was, get crucified just by being a follower of her or of him, and he doesn't spare them from that same faith that he had, what makes you think that he's not going to ask you to do something difficult? So we need to dismiss that motion now in our lives. And you have to understand that if you can put yourself in a position to do things that are uncomfortable and meet your king at this table, you can begin taking these missions, running with them, enjoying them, being passionate about them. And if you're ever in doubt of, I don't know what to do with my, I don't know what my calling is, I don't know what, I'm going to tell you right now, you start simple. And you serve him as a child, as a warrior. You simply serve your home and your kids. And some of the best advice I've ever been given, if you don't know what you're supposed to specifically be doing right now, you find somebody that has a dream, has a calling, or has been given a specific mission, and you do everything you can to help them accomplish that, and you serve. Because you are doing everything you're supposed to be doing anytime you advance the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you for your word. Thank you for challenging us and pushing us to pursue you and not ourselves. I pray, Lord, for refresh, refreshing, excitement, grit this morning in all of us to face the things that we have coming today, tomorrow, and every day after that, and that we would do it in such a way that honors you. In your name I pray. And that's this week's message. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired. If you would like to join our online campus and experience the service as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing and blessed week.